be unto you in peace from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Please join me in the third commandment as we today continue our series on the commandments. The third commandment. You shall keep the day of rest holy. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. You may be seated. If you're ever in Jerusalem and use a public restroom, when you come to the sink to wash your hands, you will find quite often a little coffee cup chained to that sink, to the faucet. And uh, I probably went into 20 or so restrooms, and I think I found one like this in almost every one I was in in Jerusalem. And the reason is, in some old rabbinic law from the time uh, even before Christ, the writing was that when you cleansed yourself and washed yourself with a ceremonial cleansing, it had to be done with water that was poured and water coming out of the spigot or out of the faucet, apparently for some, does not qualify. And so the idea was that you would put it in this little cup and then dump it on your hands to wash your hands. 
And you can see that these little cups are very, very well used. The Pharisees of Jesus' day loved to add laws and rules and regulations to things in order to spiritually protect people from breaking the Sabbath laws. I'm just going to read to you some of the things you were not allowed to do on a Saturday. Okay? Making a bouquet of flowers, removing good fruit from spoiled fruit, brushing dried mud from your boots or clothes, adding cold milk directly to hot tea or coffee, there goes Starbucks, <laughs> cutting your hair or nails, applying makeup, that was too close to dyeing clothing, braiding your hair, was close, too close to weaving, drawing blood for a blood test, rubbing soap to make lather, applying face cream, polishing your shoes, using scouring powder for utensils or other surfaces, even sharpening a pencil. They even regulated how much weight you could lift off the ground or how old of a child you could lift to put onto your lap, how large of a, a vessel up on a, on a shelf that you could reach for and bring it down to the counter. It's just hard to imagine what it was like trying to live under all of these regulations, all of these rules and laws, all the requirements. And I just try to think what, what people in their day-to-day -day lives had to just feel this additional sense of guilt, quite often from things that God had nothing to say about in their lives. And it's interesting when some of these teachers who taught like this and tried to instill this in the minds of the people in Jesus' day, when they came to confront Jesus why some of his disciples weren't following in detail all of these Sabbath regulations, Jesus turns it on them and he says, why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Why do you not care about the things God has clearly talked about and, pro and prophesied about, especially about himself as the Messiah. And yet you're so focused in on keeping these traditions. And there's something inside of us human beings that, that sometimes gravitates toward trying to come up with laws and little things that I can do that will somehow make me feel a little bit better, that somehow I am I'm putting myself in a better spot with God. And boy, did this all fit into that thinking. The third commandment is often one that's a little bit puzzling for us as New Testament Christians. And the reason is that in, in its raw reading, it deals with the Sabbath and the keeping of the Sabbath, which was part of the ceremonial law that our Lord Jesus would come to fulfill and that God has now lifted off of the New Testament church. Just like your, your parents maybe had a curfew on you when you were 12 that they don't when you're 18. Okay? God likewise lifts certain laws off of his people at particular times in history. Martin Luther says this about the third commandment. This commandment in its literal course, that means raw meaning, is not for us Christians now. So let's just go home. Is Luther saying we don't need to care about the third commandment? That's not what he's saying. He goes on to say, it still has a lot of depth in it and meaning for us in our lives as Christians. But we don't need to follow it in its raw, coarse meaning, as he says. 
Years ago, when I was a young pastor, I got a book sent to me in the mail one day, nicely bound and wrapped, and, and there was a letter in there asking me to read it. I didn't read it all, but I looked through a few of the chapters. It was published by the Seventh-day Adventist Church, who believed that it is a sin to worship on a Sunday. And the last chapter, damned to hell, me and all of my members for worshiping on Sunday morning. Now, why did God give us the Sabbath law? Well, a number of reasons. First of all, as a reflection of what happened in creation. The six days, six 24-hour day creation we know about in Scripture, and God finally rests on the Sabbath day. Just a reminder of where we came from and who we are. Secondly, it was a, uh, something that the Messiah would come to show his, his preeminence over, that he was the one that, that had the rule over this. Thirdly, it would be a reminder of deliverance from slavery for the children of, of Egypt that came out of Egypt, children of Israel that came out of Egypt. It would be a reminder of, of how God had delivered them from that. And, and likewise, to all of us as Christians today, the, the slavery of sin that would enslave us, that God has freed us from that. It also provided a physical rest for people's bodies. Many people, uh, even today, work in agriculture and physical labor, and your body, about every seven days, really needs some physical rest. But it also was a picture of the fact that our getting to heaven, our salvation, would be entirely taken care of by the Son of God himself. Christ is spoken of in the book of Hebrews as our Sabbath rest. And what that means is that he has done the work, he's done all of the labor that it takes for you to get to heaven. And when you have faith in him, just like Jesus said, come unto me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden under the law, and I will give you rest because of what he has done for us. But it was also to serve as a signal for the distinguishing of the New Testament era. Many of the Jewish people who were converted to Christianity in the city of Jerusalem suddenly started worshiping on the day Christ rose again from the dead, Sunday, to, to remind themselves every week of the, the wonderful hope of the resurrection that we have. But it also clearly distinguished them from the Old Testament ceremonial law that no longer would be binding now that Christ had come. I always wonder what it was like, the reaction of Jewish family members to their, their cousins or relatives who now had converted to Christianity, who were now worshiping and going to a church service on a Sunday morning. That's hard for us to comprehend. It was so ingrained in their culture and all of these Sabbath laws and regulations to suddenly see someone living without all of that had to be eye-opening and puzzling to people. I'm sure there were a lot of questions being asked. So for us today, how do we break this third commandment? Martin Luther properly says, anytime we despise the hearing of God's word or the preaching of God's word, listening to it and applying it to ourselves. Anytime we despise that word, anytime that my sinful heart and my mind usurp the authority of God, anytime it rises up and acts as if what I think right now is more important than what God has said, just like our first parents did in the Garden of Eden. Jesus once said in his Sermon on the Mount, whosoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man. 
But there are many times when I, like a fool, know clearly what God's word says on something, and I don't care. I don't want to put it into practice. And I would rather do what I want. This is the ultimate breaking of the third commandment, no matter what the sin is. Any time that our thinking and our hearts and our minds rise above the clear command of God that our own consciences know, by the way, any time that happens, we are violating and offending this commandment. Many years ago in a church, I was teaching a Bible study that uh, we were going through the Ten Commandments, one each week, kind of how, they were, how we're doing this here. And finally, the last day as we got through the Tenth Commandment, this young lady came up to me, middle-aged woman, and she said, you know, I've come to realize that we're just sinning all the time. <laughs> it's like, yeah. If you really analyze yourself tightly against the commands of God, the, the ultimate conclusion is, boy, do you need a Savior. Do you need someone to change the relationship but a, between a weak, sinful person like me or you and this holy, righteous God who is in the heavens. And so, really, the purpose of the law is to show us, kind of like a doctor uh, giving you an x-ray with a disease inside, is to show you how badly you need the medicine that God alone can provide. So how do we keep this commandment? The only way is in Christ. In Christ, because he alone is your perfect record before God. He alone is the one who has lived a purely spotless, holy life in thought, word, and deed all the way throughout his life. And he now gives you that beautiful record, that report card of holiness before God. He gives it to you in your baptism. Every time you hear the word of God that keeps you in your baptismal grace, every time you take the Lord's Supper, this is how God keeps you in that beautiful, that beautiful faith. The 12-year-old Jesus, that little boy Jesus in the temple, listening to God's word and studying it, is exactly how your heavenly Father now sees you when he looks at you because of what Christ has done. And so St. Paul said that the Old Testament ceremonial laws like the Sabbath and all of these regulations were a shadow that preceded the arrival of the coming of the Messiah. And the believers were now to worship the coming Messiah. They were, before this, were to worship the coming Messiah through these, these foreshadowings of Christ. But now that Christ is here, he is the reality. And every time we listen to him and love his grace and forgiveness and think about the wonderful hope in heaven that we have because of him, that's when we are keeping this commandment. Luther said, the word of God is the holy of holies. It is the only thing, the only holy thing that we Christians know and have. It is the treasure that sanctifies everything. So the love in your heart that, that loves the word of God and that loves to worship together with fellow Christians, that is the beautiful place where God makes his presence known. And that is how we keep this commandment. And because of that, the book of Hebrews tells us we can approach the throne of God's grace with confidence. You know, right now in your life as a Christian, you have a level of appreciation for the word of God that's evidenced by your presence here. Just, just think how our appreciation is going to grow when we finally arrive to the beautiful shores of heaven. Amen.
Please rise for prayer. Blessed Lord, since you've caused all Holy Scripture to be written for our learning, grant that we may so hear them, read, mark, learn, and take them to heart, that by the patience and comfort of your Holy Word, we may embrace and always hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one true God, now and forever. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God the Father and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Go in his peace. Amen.